to the Better Eye Health podcast. My name is Carlisle Koash. Welcome on this April 1st of 2020. I'm here, as always, with our organic MD, Dr. Damon Miller, and we are here exploring this exciting, adventurous time. I'm going to be positive in my description of the crazy virus that's happening right now and the panic and all of that that's occurring, but there are things that you can do to work with this situation and, in general, I think, ways to support your immunity and your overall health, and we're going to explore this in uh, the next few podcasts. We're going to look at different aspects around this subject of the uh, coronavirus and all of the things that you can be doing to keep yourself healthy in this time of uncertainty. And so today we're going to focus on the vital role of vitamin D3 in your overall health. So I will hand it over to Dr. Miller and uh, we'll go from there. Hi, Carlisle. I'm glad you're well today. Um, Yes. We're doing well here. We're kind of sitting, uh, I don't know, in what's being described. I'm in Santa Clara County. Uh, we're sort of in the uh, uh, the center of the action uh, in Northern California. Um, and it sort of feels like it. Uh, people are doing a pretty good job of sheltering in place. But I wanted to do this, uh, add this to the podcasts because there are many things that people can be doing to strengthen their immunity against the COVID virus and the flu. So we're going to talk about the one that I think is most important. We're starting here with the importance of taking vitamin D3. And I just want to say we we wrote this up as a paper. There's a lot more information. There's references to the scientific literature. There's uh, dosing guidelines and and a clearer, just a more detailed explanation of why vitamin D3 is so important, what it does why you want to take it. And uh, that's going to be a PDF that you can download on, from the podcast page if you go to the site. But I just I just want to say, you know, this is a, it is a kind of scary time. And you may be wondering why vitamin D3. And there are a couple of reasons for that. One, because uh, in, this, for, in the sake of evidence-based medicine, um, you know, part of the evidence in evidence-based medicine is if you're a doctor and you're in practice and you're seeing things work in people, that's pretty sound evidence. And I've seen D3 do a great job since about 12 years now since I started really recommending D3 uh, as a supplement for most of my patients. I don't think I've seen a single case of the flu in my popul- my patient population. So it's uh, the ones who are taking vitamin D3 regularly, keeping their blood level up. But vitamin D3 is inexpensive. It's extremely safe, 100% safe. And we're going to talk about safety a little bit later in this talk. But it's it's cheap. It's easy to do. Very few people have any reaction to it. There are high-quality supplements available. And uh, I guess the most important thing is to understand, you know, here at Organic MD, which is uh, our main our main site, Better Eye Health deals mainly with the uh, degenerative eye diseases that we have a kind of specialty caring for, but vitamin, I mean, at Organic MD, we're really wanting to go to the root of the problem, not just treat the surface. So Western medicine and its approach to infectious disease is you identify the bug, you find a drug, mix the bug and the drug, everything's cool. Well, trouble is with the COVID virus, with the coronavirus, there is no drug. So what are we going to do? 
Well, it turns out that the body does a very good job of developing substances that are essentially things that kill virus. And so the people who get sick and don't get end up in the intensive care unit, it's often because their immunity is stronger. So you might ask, what do we do to improve our immunity? We're going to talk about uh, other things besides vitamin D in the second of this three-part podcast, but vitamin D uh, is, is basically a – D3 is basically a hormone, and just about every cell type in the body has receptors to D3. And we're going to talk about the different kinds of vitamin D, but I'm going to just, just keep in mind D3 here. There are receptors for vitamin D3 on our immune cells. And when you have adequate amounts of vitamin D3 circulating in your body, that D3 binds to the immune cells and induces the production of these specialized proteins that, guess what? They kill viruses. So when your monocytes and your white cells do see a viral cell, they can kill it. And no D3, you don't have that high level of those proteins in your immune cells, and you're much more susceptible to that virus making you really, really sick. So the, uh, you know, there's some other things we're going to talk about here, but the thing that I just want to stress is that to really ensure an adequate amount of D3 in your bloodstream, especially at this time of this pandemic, you need to be taking a supplement. And we're going to talk about why that's true. But um, I'm, I'm hope, I hope you're staying with me here. Um, I don't know, Carlisle, what are, you, what are you thinking about in this subject? I know you've, you've been thinking about this a lot. Well, I, I think that, I mean, I'm curious. I know that there is uh, data, if you will, uh, research studies that have been done looking at D3. And if that is out there, then I, I, I'm sort of surprised that more people don't know about it. I, for example, just going to the store and looking at the shelves, you know, there's no vitamin C, for example. Those shelves are decimated. But there's plenty of D3 on the shelves, which makes me wonder, well, I know that D3 is good too. And I would think, pe- I would think that there would be physicians prescribing that or suggesting that for their for their patients, but I guess they're not, or maybe it's not to the level that we would think. And so, but yeah, well there, you know, I'm my, uh, I refer to my practice of medicine as an integrative practice, meaning that I take everything I learned in medical school. And since I've left the hospital based practice that I was in, in 1995, I've integrated a lot of other things that I've learned along the way into that practice and, you know, using whatever works I'm surprised about the vitamin D that I would think that doctors and epidemiologists and all the people who are fretting about this flu and what it's doing to this country and the world would be shouting from the rooftops about this. Um, and I, I'm not really sure why they're not. There are other integrated physicians who are out there spreading the word. Um, but, you know, I know from my training in medicine that doctors just aren't really taught about vitamin D3. They're not and also just they're not taught about how to do things to strengthen the innate health and the innate defenses that a person has. You know, medicine basically, when they look at a viral disease like this, when you come in really sick, they say, well, we know that you have an immune system that, you know, a lot of people would have been enough to have defeated this. You didn't 
you know, we're going to have to put you on a ventilator and, um, but, you know, just we're going to take over here. Whatever we have to offer you, that's all you got to go with. And uh, anything we might think of doing to strengthen your innate immunity, your own natural immunity, we just don't know how to do that. So it's a good question. I don't know why. There is one thing, and we'll, um, you know, well, let me just ask you this. Do you do you know the difference between vitamin D2 and vitamin D3? I mean, that's kind of important. So I'm just kind of asking you as the man on the street, if I talk about vitamin D2 and vitamin D3, does that just sort of slip by you, or do you have any idea what the difference is between those two? I can't say that I have a distinct difference, and certainly – now that I, I mean, I do a little bit, obviously, since I I know you. Some folks that I've talked to, friends of mine, when I've talked about this, I don't think that there's a general understanding for sure. Okay, well let's let's talk a little about that because that's important. Um, and in the paper, you know, that paper I referred to, that PDF you can download, has uh, more discussion of this and some links to an excellent article in the New England Journal of Medicine that has some you know, pictures and charts and everything that explain the biology of vitamin D in the human body. Um, but just the, the brief uh, the brief lesson about vitamin D and the biology of vitamin D. Um, vitamin D, like I say, is a hormone. Like all other hormones in the human body, the raw material that it's built from is cholesterol. Now, it isn't just a chemical reaction. That chemical reaction needs the input of specialized energy that we get from sunlight. So we can't in, in, a, in a dark place, we can't make vitamin D3. We can't make vitamin D2. So from cholesterol, we make the uh, substrate that vitamin D is built on. We're exposed to the ultraviolet rays from the sun, especially UVB, ultraviolet B. And that first converts that, that proto-product, the, the building block, into vitamin D2 by adding a hydroxy group. And vitamin D2 then, when you expose that to sunlight, becomes vitamin D3 with the addition of a second hydroxy group. Now, what's the distinction here? Well, vitamin D2 is the major circulating form in the body, but it isn't active. It's an inactive precursor to vitamin D3. So uh, we have to have access to sunlight to convert the vitamin D2 into vitamin D3. Um, I think one of the reasons why physicians, first of all, are fearful of large doses of vitamin D in their patients, but also where the confusion even in physicians comes from, is that there are prescription forms of vitamin D, and those are all D2. Uh, also, vitamin D2 is what's used when you read about foods being fortified with vitamin D. It's vitamin D2, um, which is uh, much cheaper, but it's also purely fat-soluble, and there is some toxicity in fact, there's significant toxicity that can occur if you take too much vitamin D2. And so doctors recall, if they have any memory at all, that when we first started fortifying food with vitamin D, that we used vitamin D2 and put too much in, and a lot of kids got sick. And so there's this fear of vitamin D. But all that fear is about vitamin D2. And uh, the other thing that's kind of significant, we'll talk maybe a little more about this, but um, if you go into your doctor and say, I'd like a blood test to see what my vitamin D status is, Doctors usually order a vitamin D2 test, thinking, well, that's the major circulating form. Let's see what your status is of that. And that's that's kind of useful, but uh, this gets into a whole other discussion, which is that need for sunlight to convert D2 to D3. 
Well, it turns out that especially between, you know, in the winter months, between October and May, uh, if you live above the 20th parallel, above the 20th latitude, um, most days there's not, the sun is so low in the sky that there's not enough ultraviolet rays that even make it to the surface of the earth. It all is absorbed by the atmosphere. So, you know, even if you're outdoors all day, between October and May, you're not going to convert much, if any, of that D2 into D3. And so the natural form that kind of tends to hang around and circulate in your blood, the supplements you might get from fortified foods, the supplements you get if you're getting your D from your doctor, uh, just doesn't really do much for you because you can't convert the inactive D2 into the active form of D3. But if you just take D3, it's already activated. Your body doesn't have to do anything. You don't need sun exposure. It's just there. Boom, it works. And so, you know, in the paper, I, I uh, there was – uh, some stuff in New England Journal also. This uh, It was a letter to the editor, but this clinic in South Florida, you know, pretty far south, a lot of sunlight there. And they were just talking about how they got this idea years ago to start testing all their clients in their clinic, this big medical clinic, testing them all for their vitamin D status. And what they found is that even people who were living in Florida outdoors a lot were kind of pathetically low, clinically low, seriously low in vitamin D3. And so they just started making vitamin D C sub. D3 supplements, a routine part of their regimen for all these people. They saw a lot of health improvements because vitamin D does a lot of things besides improve your immunity. But the uh, the other thing that their experience shows is that you could take 10,000 units a day of vitamin D for years and with no ill effects. So that's a, that's a long answer, but you need to understand the difference of vitamin D2 and D3. You need to be taking D3 for supplements. You need to understand that uh, the natural form of the body that the big form of the body that circulates around D2, uh, you're not going to be able to convert that to D3 much in the winter months. And you're, uh, if you're testing for vitamin D to see what your status is and you test for D2, what you really want to test for is D3. You need to make sure that the lab test you're doing is for vitamin D3, which is, uh, I'll just say the word, it's 121-25-dihydroxyvitamin uh, D. That's what the lab slip has to say. So that that was a lot, but um, well, it's. I mean, this is probably why people don't know necessarily a lot about it because that's that means I have to drill in a little bit to understand it. It does sound like you can't really overdose on D three. Yeah, well, I, you know, I don't I don't want to be flip here, but uh, when I talk to rooms full of doctors, you know, when I'm at a conference or something and I'm talking and this subject comes up. Um, I will make an offer to anyone who's listening to this podcast that I make to the rooms full of doctors that I talk to, which is I have two crisp $100 bills that are yours if you can bring me a single documented case of somebody made toxic by vitamin D3. And and But I will say that I will exclude the case that is in the literature of a, a guy who was schizophrenic who decided to take a whole bottle every day, and he did manage to make himself sick. So that case doesn't count. But if you can bring me a case of somebody taking a, a reasonable, normal amount of vitamin D3, which I kind of define as 10,000 units a day, and that they're in any way harmed by that, you, you bring me that documented case, you've got my $200. 10,000 IUs, is that right? Because usually yeah, on sorry. a... On a D3 bottle, it will give milligrams, if you will, and then have the IU international units uh, measure. And so that 10,000 uh, that 10,000 measurement is 10,000 IU. 
Exactly. Yes. Thank you for that. Yeah. And not milligrams, IU, because there are different forms. You know, sometimes it's bonded to an oil. Sometimes it's in a powder form. So the milligrams don't really help you much. You need the the international units were developed to kind of standardize people's understanding of how much they're taking. So you want 10,000 IU a day. And I'll just say another thing, just since we are talking here a little about dosing, vitamin D3 is partially water-soluble, which is one of the reasons why it doesn't have the toxicity that vitamin D2 has, because D2 has no water solubility, um, which is why it can build up in the body and damage your liver and stuff like that. Vitamin D3 is partially water-soluble, but it's also partially fat-soluble, so it doesn't run through you the way, say, a vitamin like vitamin C or the B vitamins do. You don't need to necessarily take it every day. Now, I have people who in my practice who, you know, they're just not, they're not big pill takers. They're not dosing a lot of supplements every day. And they will, they will literally just take 70,000. So 10,000 a day is 70,000 a week. They will take 70 or 75,000 units of vitamin D3 once a week on Sunday. And it does an excellent job of keeping their blood level up. So that's, you know, you just want to kind of think of this as a, if you look back over the course of the last week and say, no, I really haven't taken any vitamin D, play catch-up, take a bigger dose, get yourself up. If you've never taken vitamin D uh, as a supplement, I recommend you do a rather large dose. I recommend 50,000 a day for three days in a row as a loading dose and then drop down to that 10,000 per day or 70,000 per week maintenance dose. And you're not getting any of this from food? Um well, that's another good question. So I did mention that there is uh, vitamin D that is added to some foods to fortify them, like uh, breads and cereals and things like that. There are a few foods that naturally have vitamin D, some mushrooms. But again, it's mostly D2, but mushrooms, some fish. Fish sometimes have some D3 as well uh, because they're uh, getting exposed to sunlight and converting it, and then it's in their, it's in their bodies, fish meat. Uh, or they're concentrating vitamin D, again, mostly D2 in their livers, so fish liver oil, like cod liver oil, has some vitamin D in it. Um, but even, even the foods that naturally have some vitamin D, most of it is in the form of D2. And the problem is, and let me, I'm, I'm going to digress here just a little bit. And one of the things I talk about in the paper, there's, you know, we talk about uh, science and one of the things that the epidemiologists and the doctors and the scientists have never really been able to adequately explain is why is the flu seasonal? Now, I'll, I'll give an ex, a little ex, explanation here. I know we're, we're all worried about the COVID, the novel coronavirus started in 2019, the COVID-19 virus. And there is a lot of difference between the flu virus and the COVID virus. I'd be the first to acknowledge that. What is similar is that these viruses that enter our bodies through mucosal services, flu and COVID, both those, that our body has, you know, it, it only has a certain number of ways to respond. And so the ways our body responds to the COVID virus and the flu virus are pretty similar. Um, so even though the viruses are different, our body is the constant. And so these things that we've discovered and studied about influenza, a lot of it, when we're talking about human beings, applies to the COVID virus. So one of the things that's never really been understood is the seasonality of the influenza epidemics that occur every year. Why is it mostly in the winter? And the conventional wisdom 
used to be, well, in the wintertime, it gets cold, everybody's cooped up with everybody else inside, and they spread it around better. Um, but in the modern workplace, everybody's cooped up with everybody else inside all year round, and still, there's a flu season. The flu tends to diminish in the summer. And we did have one, you know, if we go back to the last coronavirus epidemic, that was the SARS epidemic in 2002 and 2003. So the first cases showed up in uh, the winter of 2002. And then it, by July of 2003, it, it just kind of mysteriously disappeared. Nobody knows what happened to it. Um, you know, it just kind of petered out, fiddled, you know, fizzled out. We never did really develop a vaccine yet against that coronavirus. Um, but thankfully, it just sort of went away. And, didn't, and it wasn't as infectious as this one, and it uh, wasn't as deadly. But it, uh, you know, not because of anything we did, but it just kind of fizzled out and went away. Maybe that'll happen to this one. I don't know. But the, I bring up this seasonality because one hypothesis, not a proven hypothesis, but a hypothesis that's been worked with, and it stands up pretty well when you try to test it. The hypothesis is that What's different between people in the summer and the winter is that in the summer, the sun's higher in the sky, more ultraviolet rays, people outdoors more. They're naturally making more vitamin D. They're making enough more vitamin D, the hypothesis would say, enough more vitamin D that they are uh, increasing their immunity to the virus and the virus can't get a hold in the population. Again, this is just a hypothesis, but it's a pretty good one. One of the, one of the main things that's been done to test this hypothesis is working with uh, influenza, and you take influenza and you look at infection rates and compare that with the levels of people in your study group, their, their vitamin D3 levels, and you find that people with higher levels of vitamin D3 aren't the ones who get the flu. The ones who have low levels of vitamin D3 are the ones who get the flu. These are population studies. And they've even gone so far as to take groups of people, compare their, measure their vitamin D3 levels, and, uh, you know, they'll take a group of people and they'll just actually try and inoculate them. They'll take a swab with influenza virus on it and stick it up your nose. And even, even with that kind of serious inoculation, the people with high, mid to high vitamin D3 levels, you can't make them sick even inoculating them. So, again, these are hypotheses that need more work, but... Uh, you know, it kind of comes down to, you know, let's just come back to this, you know, bring this back back here to the COVID-19. We're dealing with a virus that is ravaging the world. The only thing we've been able to do is slow down the spread of it. Eventually, it's going to just continue to spread through the population. Hopefully, we can slow it down so we don't overwhelm our healthcare system. You know, that as people get sick, we have the medical resources to take care of them. We're not curing it, and we're not even necessarily protecting everybody from getting it. We're just slowing down the spread. And so if there's something that you can do that could help, and that something, in this case, taking a vitamin D3 supplement, is safe and affordable and widely available, and the risk, which is virtually zero, then in that risk-benefit equation, risk is zero, even a small benefit makes it worth doing. And so, you know, we have something here that is safe, has some benefit. We even understand the mechanism of how it works. It's got a very, very well understood mechanism. It improves your natural immunity against these viruses. You know, I'm proposing you do it.
just dose your D3. Get some D3 and start dosing it. And we do have, uh, I should mention too, there's a, another, we, we have some high quality D3. Uh, we lay out some brands at a little website we're building for this, which is called doseyourd3.com, D-O-S-E-Y-O-U-R-D3.com. Um, but th- there really is no bad version of D3. Just, you know, find some and take it. I don't know. In the minute we have left here, Carla, what do you think? Anything else we need to talk about? No, I, I do think that, again, you've kind of covered the, the basic steps, and we're also going to keep talking and go yeah. into yeah. things in a little more detail. But overall, I think this is always the point, is that we forget that there are these rather simple solutions sometimes. Now, of course, we don't know all the things that can stop something like the coronavirus uh, from from becoming an issue. Like we're still learning because it's it's learning faster than we are a little bit. Uh, yeah, it's true. As in, as in pointed out, like it has all the time. <laughs> it's 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 at home, and that's all it gets to do is just test us and figure out how to you know how to manifest. Whereas you know we're we're playing catch up but that's i think the important reason to think of these things that can just help boost our general immunity because that's something we can do and will benefit us and hopefully our families as well yeah i mean i just i know uh you hear this word novel thrown around the novel coronavirus and that that word actually has a very specific meaning in epidemiology, novel means no one has any immunity. So, you know, when this virus showed up, every single human being on the planet was a, a ripe field for it to grow in. And every human being who's not had it yet is still a ripe field. And it's not even clear that if you did have it, that you have a convincing immunity there. You know, that's still something we're working out. But, you know, because it's a, a risk you want to be doing what you can do so that even if you get it, it doesn't overwhelm you. And that's that's what we're going to be talking about in the next, you know, more things you can do in our next podcast. And the vitamin D3 is where I want you to begin. So thank you for joining us. And please check in to our next podcast when, when it becomes available. Check out any of the links and all of the things that will also be on the podcast page to get the paper and also find out where to buy supplements. Yeah, and also to if you want to please share this if you want to with people, and uh, it always helps us if you subscribe to the podcast. That way you're sure to get notified when we put up parts two and three of this. Have a great day. Please stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, here's to your health. Thank you. Thank you.